Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Uh, verse 8, excuse me. Romans chapter 5. Okay, maybe let's start from 5. We'll take it to 8. It's 8 that is my emphasis. All right. The Bible says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Can somebody hold on to their chest and say, The love of God is in me. The love of God has been poured out, has been released into me. Say, I can love like God. It's true. The love of God has been poured out in your heart. Verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. I love this verse 7. I love this verse 7. It says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Or you don't really find it every day that somebody will say, let me die for this person because this person is good. He says, yet perhaps for a good man, somebody will even want to die. But God, but God, verse 8, but God demonstrates. Another translation says, commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Commended love. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Commended love. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus Christ is not just an historical fact. Jesus Christ is not just who we celebrate at Christmas and Easter. Jesus Christ is the divider of history. Jesus Christ is the qualifier into the things of God. Jesus Christ is the access of God. Jesus Christ is the gift of God. Jesus Christ is much more than a prophet. He's not one of the prophets. Jesus Christ is the prophet. You remember that when Moses was alive and they were checking out Moses and wondering, okay, when Moses goes, what's going to happen? God told, spoke through Moses, said, a, the prophet, a prophet like me, God is still going to send. And he was referring to Jesus Christ, the prophet. Remember that in the days before Jesus came, you hear people say, first see the Lord. First see the Lord. That's what people will say. But when Jesus came, Jesus will say, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus is the consummation of prophecy. In fact, everything is about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Sometimes you, you may come into some people and they'll say, you make everything about Jesus. Really, everything is about Jesus. Everything in this world and in the world to come is about Jesus. The reason there is no need for S-U-N son in heaven is because there is S-O-N son in heaven. You don't need the son like you have it now because you have the son of God and the son of God illuminates that place and so when you have Jesus, you have everything. Say, say to yourself, say when, you, when I have Jesus, you can say louder. Say when I have Jesus, I have everything. There is a question everybody needs to answer about Jesus. There is a question everybody needs to answer about Jesus. The reason people are still going to go to hell 
today is not because of their sins. It's when they don't answer the question about Jesus. There is a question that our generation needs to ask. There is a question we need to pose to our loved ones about Jesus because the relationship of people to Jesus determines their eternal destiny. There is a question everybody needs to ask about Jesus. It was Pilate that was asking a question in Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27 verse 22. Matthew chapter 27. Verse 22, Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is also called Christ? What then shall I do with Jesus, which is also called Christ? It's a question Pilate asked many years ago, but we still need to ask it this morning in Chicago. And the question is this, what then shall you do with Jesus? What then have you done with Jesus? Who Have you answered this question of, of what have I done with Jesus? Do you know there are many people, what they are doing with Jesus is turning Jesus to an ATM machine? What they are doing with Jesus is assuming that Jesus will be the one that will comfort them in their trouble when they have gotten into trouble that they by themselves got into the trouble and they will be angry sometimes at God and say, God, were you not there when this was going to happen? But some of it was part of your own disobedience and some people are thinking the relationship of Jesus to them is that because you love me, you should always help me. But you, really, there is a bigger question than all of that. Because that's a mundane thing, you know. I have house, I eat this kind of food, I wear this kind of clothes, I drive that kind of car. Praise God for all those kind of stuff. But there's much more to that. There is an answer, there is a question that is being posed to you and is being posed to even your, your friends. There are people that don't know Jesus today, they think that because they don't know him, they think that because they don't, they don't kind of like some of the people that have represented Jesus, they think that that's enough reason that they should not answer this question in the right way. Pilate was asking the question, what will I do with Jesus? And every now and then you should ask the question. In fact, I think as a child of God, one of the things you should do to yourself as often as possible is to ask yourself questions. Ask yourself questions. Sometimes ask yourself questions. What did I learn in church today? Ask your neighbor. Say, what did you learn last week? I'm waiting. Ask them now. What did you learn last week? Some people are not even asking some people. I'm looking at some people. They are not even asking the question. What did you learn last week? The note you took last week. Ask the person. The note you took last week. Okay, let's... Last, la, la, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going somewhere. Let's not use last week. The note you took last year. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay, ask the person. Say, what did you do with the notes? Okay. We need to ask ourselves questions. An unexamined life is a life not well lived or not worth living. You need to examine yourself over and over again. You need to take assessment. Where am I on the journey of life? Is this thing really working? This spiritual thing. Because you see, ignorance is also a tool of the devil. Ignorance is a tool of the devil. Remember, Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. It says, my people perish because of what? And you see, many people think lack of knowledge is that they never told me. Lack of knowledge can also be they told me I didn't do something about it. It's also ignorance. 
You know, ignorance is this. If you ignore something, it does not mean that you don't know that that thing is there. It just means that you look away. I can ignore this, um, what is this now? Face towel or sanitary, whatever. Uh, uh, well, no. Face towel, that's better. <laughs> I can ignore it and I'll be sweating. And the fact that it is there, the fact that I know that it is there, do you know I will still be sweating if I don't use it? Can somebody say amen to that? So, knowledge that is learned, knowledge that is acquired, and action not taken on that knowledge is still ignorance. So, what you know is not only good enough. It is the truth that you know that you continue in that can set you free. You know, people say, the truth will set you free. Jesus kind of said so, but he didn't say it the way people say it. He said, if you continue in my word, so it is continue that makes you know the truth and the truth will set you free. It is not just the truth will set you free. There's truth that has not set many people free. There are many people, I mean, many of you doctors here can bear witness. You know a lot, but you don't do all that you know. You people will tell us when we go and do um, um, physical. I remember I went to do physical and I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to change that doctor. At least be nice on me. He was like, are you feeling some pains in your body? I said, what do you mean? He said, no. He said, do you feel some cramps around here? He said, because you need to lose weight. <laughs> in my head, I'm like, you could have told me that I should lose weight. That, and I'll tell you that it's okay. You know, I'm carrying, I'm going to lay this weight aside. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere along the line. But the way the guy said it, I, the same guy that is hard on me like that, you can see him the next minute. He will just go outside, just... 100 meters away from the office and then he's smoking. And he knows that he's not supposed to smoke. He knows that that is dangerous. So what you know is not good enough. What you do with what you know is what is good enough. But there's a question this morning. I just did that excursion to uh, press some things home. There's a question this morning you need to ask yourself. What am I going to do with Jesus who is called Christ? What am I going to do? What have I done you know, if I came to church, I have not really done anything with Jesus. You know, if I was born in a Christian home, I have not done anything with Jesus. You know, if my father, and we have a long list of Christians, we are good Christians from where we came from. I have not really done anything with Jesus. Because what you do with Jesus is not what somebody has done with Jesus. It's a very individual thing. Many times people want to transfer relationships. We can't transfer relationship. We can't transfer the fact that Jesus was the Lord of my father and it automatically becomes my God. Remember that it is the God of Abraham. He is also the God of Isaac. He is not the God of the father of Isaac. He is also the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the grandfather of Jacob. He is their God. God wants to be your God. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? And this question can be answered straight away with eternal destiny. But there are other, other parts of the answers that are also still there. That some people will have answered it in the way that their eternal destiny is correct. Their eternal destiny is secured in Christ. Uh, but there is a way that even that fact that eternal destiny is secured, you, have not, you are not answering that question every day. So much so that Jesus is sinning you. Because every now and then if you look in the mirror and you answer the question that I need to do something with this Jesus Christ, that this Jesus Christ should show in me, I will be a living Jesus today. I will be a moving Jesus today. Because after all, in your name, that 
Christ, that office of the Christ is in your name. Don't you call yourself Christians? And the word Christian is people that behave like Christ. So this morning, what are you going to do with the man called Jesus? It was a question Pilate asked and the answer they gave him was maybe a prophetic answer because Jesus had to be crucified. But it was a wrong answer. Pilate was not supposed to just kill him. Pilate was supposed to receive him. What do I do with Jesus? Um, this man that is called Jesus. When you, what you are really supposed to do with this man that is called Jesus is that you and I and anybody listening should receive him. What do I do with Jesus? I receive him. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 12, John chapter 1 verse 12, it says to as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. To as many as receive him. So the right thing to do with Jesus is to receive him. So when you do that right thing, you become a son. You become a son when you receive him in your heart. When you receive him as your Lord. When there was a day that you receive him. And everybody that you know, your brother, your sister, your family member must have received him too. If they have not received him, it is your responsibility to make sure that they receive him. Because this commended love, the love that was commended, the love that was demonstrated has to be received. So what do I do with this Jesus? I will receive him. When you do the right thing with Jesus, there are a few things that will begin to happen to you and to anybody that does the right thing with Jesus. And this is something you can even share with somebody. You know, in this season, the, we are talking about love, but we are looking at love from the part of love that you communicate to others, especially people that don't know Jesus, especially people that need to see the love of Jesus. And the, the, just this old question that I started with, Matthew 27, 22, can be something you can start with them and say, what have you done with Jesus? Can I ask you a question? Have you done anything with Jesus? And the person can tell you, uh, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? If I do anything with Jesus, if I do the right thing with Jesus, what will happen to me? You can give them some of these answers. If you do the right thing with Jesus, number one, you will receive the forgiveness of sins. You will receive the forgiveness of sin. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 43. Acts chapter 10 verse 43. The Bible says. Media, can you make it fast? Acts 10 43. The Bible says to him. All the prophet witnessed that through his name. Whoever believes in him will receive the remissions of sin. What am I going to do with Jesus? This is what Pilate should have done. The right thing receiving and when he receives him his sins will be forgiven he will be pardoned and in the eyes of God it will be as if he has not done anything and by doing anything does not even mean that he had done anything that he can look in the natural and say well I, I, I did this, I killed someone I, I did something bad, I cheated someone he may not have done any of those things the fact that he was born by Adam the first Adam already made him a sinner we are not sinners because we sinned. We are sinners because we were born into sin. In sin and iniquity did my mother conceive me. So anybody born of a woman is sinful. Or born of a woman, man and woman. Because, yeah. <laughs> man and woman is sinful. Forgiveness of sin. 
When you do the right thing with Jesus, what you receive is the forgiveness of sin. Another thing that happens to you when you do the right thing with Jesus, which is receive him, is that you will have peace in your conscience. You will have peace in your conscience. There is a peace that only God can give. And that peace comes by reconciliation, by receiving Jesus. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Romans chapter 5 verse 1, the Bible says this, having therefore peace with God, Romans 5 verse 1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do, peace have pe how do people have peace with God? It is following Jesus Christ. You know, in 2024, there are many religions. Some people say, ah, it's a religion of peace. It's not the religion that gives peace. It's the person that gives peace. It's a, his name is called the Prince of Peace. So, it's because he's the Prince of Peace, he's a dispenser of peace. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have peace on earth, you can't have peace in heaven. I've, ever, I've often said this. When people say rest in peace, it's just to pacify us. It doesn't make anything. If you did not live in peace, you can't rest in peace. You have to receive Jesus on earth to rest in peace. Any other thing apart from that, why well, just pacify? It's a, it's a panacea. It's a you know feel good moment. R.I.P. Rest in peace. I mean, people do it, and I do. I'm not saying you don't do it, but I'm just telling you, if the person did not receive peace, he's not going to rest. It's not going to rest in peace whether you write it or not. So that is why now we have to labor for people to live in peace. Because it is when people answer the question, do the right thing with Jesus, and receive him as their Lord and Savior, that they can rest and or live in peace. All right? And actually, you can rest in peace. You don't have to die to rest in peace. You know, Jesus said it. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest. I'm resting in peace. I'm in peace. Amen to Jesus. Yes, don't, don't worry. I'm resting in peace. You can say, Pastor, he is resting in peace. There's nothing wrong with me. Don't worry. You will see me next year. You'll see me in 2000. In 10 years to come, you'll still see me here. Amen to Jesus. I know some people are like, oh, you are saying bad things about yourself. To the pure, all things are what? Mm-hmm. So don't worry about me. But you see, when we do the right thing with Jesus, we have peace in our conscience. There will be peace. The devil is a foolish devil. You know, one of the names of the devil is accuser of the brethren. The devil likes to accuse people. And that's why you need to submit yourself to Jesus so that the guilt that the devil wants to plague you with, the peace of Jesus by you doing something with Jesus will be yours. So what happens to you when you do the right thing with Jesus? Forgiveness of sin, peace in your conscience. Number three, I love it very much. And sometimes some people don't even know this is available. Because you see, the fact that something is available does not mean it is obtainable. It can be available, but without understanding and knowing how to appropriate it, you, it may not be obtainable. This number three is this. When we make the right when we give the right answer to what can I do with Jesus or doing the right thing with Jesus, which is receiving him, we get deliverance from the power of sin. Deliverance from the power of sin. Deliverance from the power of sin. There, is, there, is, there are some seminars I'm working on that I want, to, I, want to, I want to do in this house. One of it is about addiction, you know, and stuff like that. You know, I think we're going to be able to hit it in, in, in April. I'll do a couple of meetings or a few meetings 
you know, for people that register on Zoom. So look, look out for that. And there are some things I want to talk. I want to talk about Breaking Bad because I've seen many young people struggle with the same pattern, with the same problem, with the same sin. But you see, the truth of the matter is that if you have done something with Jesus, one of the things he did for you was give you the power over sin. The power of sin, if you have given yourself to Jesus, is not on you. The practice of sin may be there, but the power of sin is not there because the power of sin has been broken. Because when he went to hell, when he went to the grave, he destroyed, he took the sting out of this animal called the devil. He took the sting out of this animal called death because death, death is a personality. Death is not just an event. Death is a personality. Jesus killed death. There was a time death, death died. So if you are in Jesus, you don't die. You sleep because Jesus killed death. But you see, once you receive Jesus, what happens to you, my friend, is that you receive the power and deliverance. Uh, you receive deliverance from the power of sin. Oh, sin has power at least, if you don't know Jesus, sin has power. There are people that do things they know is wrong. They know they shouldn't do it, but they just do it anyway. It's as if there's a controlling force. There's something that moves them. I have met people before. I don't know if you have met them. I think they, is it kleptomania they call them. I knew somebody, family member back in those days. I, this guy will steal. He can steal what is his own. I mean, I... I <laughs> They say, this thing is your own, but we are going to keep it for you. He will go and steal it. And he will steal it in a very stupid way. I, I, I couldn't just understand it. I could not just understand it. So I mean, something that doesn't make sense. Something that if you ask for, they will give you. In fact, some of it, they probably have given you. I mean, how can somebody steal food? Food. Amen. They, they don't even know people like you that are fasting for how many days? And some of you are even saying, after 50 days, we should not stop. Amen? <laughs> but because there is a power of sin. Look at the scripture, Romans chapter two, uh, 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 24 to 25. Romans chapter 7, verse 24 to 25. I want you to believe, if you receive Jesus, he gives you deliverance from the power of sin. If you have received Jesus... There is deliverance from the power of sin. So you have to be conscious that you have this power. There are too many believers, what they have, they don't know what they have. The problem of believers is not lack in many places. It's lack of know how to use what they have. It's not lack of what, it's not lack of resources. There is resources. The Bible said in the scripture we started with when I was praying in Psalm 46. It says, there is a river whose streams make glad. There is a river. There is a holy place of God. And if you are in that place, if you are in God, you are in that place. There is a river that flows and there are streams in that river. It can take care of many things. You have power. Many of you don't know that you have power. You have power to live over sin. You have power to say no. Many people don't know they have power to say no. I mean, I, I, God has delivered me from some things that I'm just like, how did it happen? Because there is the power, but somehow, somewhere along the line, the revelation of the fact that there is the power to be delivered from this just dawned on me. And I now knew that the devil can't move my hand to go and do it. The devil will not push me there. Most of the time, it is the thing we give the devil. It is the door. 
It is the crack. It is the leeway. It is the walking on the edge. It is the walking near Sodom thing that we normally do. You know, you're like, you know, sometimes, like even Pastor E sometimes, he will come near here. The usher sometimes will be looking at me. He's going to fall. <laughs> if I fall, you say I fall, fell under the power, right? <laughs> but you see, many people sometimes do it at the edge. That's what, 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 it's not that the sin is powerful. It's not. I mean, if the sin was that powerful, there are some sins that some of some people are engaged in, or some things that some people want to break. Now, since you came to this service, have you done it? Hello? Somebody is addicted to porn. Many times. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. If they come into a setting like this, they will not go and look at the porn. I know sometimes there's, sin is stupid, and the devil is also stupid. And when you give yourself, you give space, he can do stupid things. And some people can still be playing with stuff. But I mean, generally speaking, in a setting like this, why is that not happening? Because you are the one that is giving that thing power. When you give your life to Christ, one of the things that happen to you is that you have power. In fact, sometimes when you fall into temptations and sins, don't feel like you are powerless because that's what the devil wants to make you believe that you don't have power. This is Paul speaking here in uh, uh, Romans chapter 7. I want you to back, back, back up to 24. Romans chapter 7. He said, This is Paul speaking. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul was saying, and if you, re if you read Romans chapter 7, he was saying, there are some things I want to do, I don't do them. The things I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And, you know, he was just complaining. And it sounds like a 2024 complaint. But he now gives us the, the, the antidote to that. In verse 25. Verse 25 of Romans chapter 7. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I serve the Lord of God. But with the flesh, the Lord of sin. It says, I thank God. Can you give me King James that says, gives me victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm surprised I just went to I thank God. But the, the, uh, coming into the Lord Jesus Christ gives you power over sin. It gives you power over sin. So I need you to understand this morning that if you do the right thing with Jesus, you have received the deliverance from the power of sin. You, sin does not have to control you. Sin does not have to have dominion over you. You have power over it if you exercise the power that you have received. When you do the right thing with Jesus, what happens to you? You experience great joy. You experience great joy. The Bible speaking in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. He says, him who you have not seen. And uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8. Can you give that to us? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. If you receive Christ, you get the forgiveness of sin. You have peace in your conscience. You have deliverance from the power of sin. And uh, you also have great joy as spoken of in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. You say, whom having not sinned, ye love. In whom do now you see him not, yet believing. You rejoice, you rejoice, rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. God allows you to experience great joy. Now, if all these things are possible in Christ, who the Bible says, his love was not just a speech. 
you know, God, the Son, Jesus, is the Word. John chapter 1 verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was the God, and the Word was God. The love of God did not stay as the Word of God. The love of God did not just stay as something that he said. You know, people said a lot of I love you on February 14th. Whether they are sincere or not sincere, we'll see by March 14th. We'll, we'll evaluate <laughs> whether they are saying the truth. But God did not leave his own love as I said it. God demonstrated it. And you see this morning, I have showed you some of the things that happen when people say, and receive Jesus. But the question I'm asking you today. As I begin to round up. It's not just that. What have you done with Jesus? In terms of have you received Jesus? But what have you done with Jesus? For other people. You have to do like God. Let that love be demonstrated. Let that love be shown. Because that word demonstrated means to show. That word demonstrated means to prove. That word demonstrated means to establish. It means to exhibit. I have to show it in a way that even if I don't say it, they will see it. There are too many sayings of love. We need to see more demonstration of love. God demonstrated. God commended. The commended love is the demonstrated love. It's the love that is shown. I don't love my family members because I give them money. I don't love my family members because I'm always there for them. I, I, am, I am sugar daddy or something. I'm Father Christmas. I, 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 I meet their needs. I love them when I demonstrate the love of Christ and make them to answer that question. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? If you are a father... You have to pose that question to your children. If you are a mother, you have to do that. Grandmother, you have to do that. Her friend, you have to do that. You cannot have friends that have not answered this question and tell me that you love them. You have not demonstrated love. Because Christ demonstrated this love or God demonstrated this love. He didn't just say his love. He didn't just let the word remain with God. Love has to be demonstrated. We need more demonstrated love in 2024. We have had a lot of spoken love. And we don't even know if we should believe it. I don't believe the love that is spoken until I see the love that is demonstrated. Because the word that was with God became flesh. And the tra message transition said, he went into the neighborhood. It is that kind of love that is true love. The demonstrated love. And it is not only God that should demonstrate that love. I should also demonstrate the love. And the height of that demonstration is make people come and answer this question. What are you going to do with Jesus? And you want them to answer the question, I will receive Jesus. Because when they receive Jesus, all the things that I've been saying this morning will happen to them. Forgiveness of sin. This, 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 this will happen to them. You see, so we have to practice this love. Because demonstrated love is practiced love. It's a love that you show. Another word for demonstrate or, or, or commend is to stand with. To stand with. There's this scripture. I'll quickly read this. Uh, John chapter, uh, Luke chapter 9 verse 32. In Luke chapter 9 verse 32. It was the, the, the picture or the scripture that happened when, you know, Jesus 
was transfigured before his disciples. Now, the word, let, let, let's quickly read it, and I'll show you that word now. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and two men who stood with him. You see, that word stood with him is the same word in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that says commended. So, when a, com a commended love is a love that stands by. And how do you stand by your friend? How do you stand by your friend? You stand by your friend when you let them answer this question. What will I do with Jesus? That is called Christ. So demonstrated love is a love that stands by with people. You stand with people. You stand with your friend. You, you become their friend for Jesus. Many people are friends with people. They say, I'm just your friend for you. Praise God. I want to be your friend for you. But I also want to be your friend for more than you. I want to be your friend for your eternal destiny. I want to be your friend for where you will spend eternity with God. So I will not be your friend here on earth and not be able to be your friend after this earth. Because if we only base our hope in this life, we are formed to be most pitied. There is more to life than this life. You know, we always say there is more to, uh, uh, is it more to the eye. There is more to life than meets the eye or something like that. And is this true? There is more. There is more to life than the natural realm that many of us have lived in. And that is why we need to show this commended love and stand with people. Stand with your friend. Be their friend for their eternal destiny. Be their friend so that they will become the friend of Jesus. I think every friend should make friends so that their friends will be friends of God. If you are a friend of God and your friend is not a friend of God and is remaining your friend for a long time, there is something wrong there. Your friend eventually should meet your ultimate friend. Your friend eventually should answer the same question you have answered about Jesus. What am I going to do with this Jesus? And sometimes it's not as hard as you think. It's just a question sometimes. It's just, it's just you know, um, answer to some question other question and linking it back. Don't you know that God loves you? Say, God? What do you mean? God loves you. How do you know God loves me? Because Jesus said so. What do you mean by Jesus? I thought Jesus was what we say after some sentence that we don't want to say because you know sometimes now Jesus can be a curse word. We just say, G, G, JC or something. You know. But you can use some of the things that happen in your everyday life with some of these your friends. To stand with them. To be friends with them. So that you will bring them to Jesus. So stand with them. Come down to their level. So that they will rise up to the level of God. Even God came down to our level. When God was going to save us. God did not just save us by a proclamation. He did not just save us by an act of God. God became us. Sometimes the way to stand with people. Is to become them. Do life with them. Sometimes when you you move closer to people, especially in a place where they are more vulnerable, they are more yielded. There are sometimes some of us has concluded about some people and said this one. If I mention Jesus to this one, you will not listen. You are you are, you you are very very wrong. If you come down to their level, if you speak their language, if you stoop to their level, you will find some areas where there is opportunity that you can. Talk to them about Jesus. And if you cannot necessarily maybe talk to them about Jesus because, I don't know, organizational policy or something, 
Find a way to invite them to where they can hear about Jesus. Ask them that are they open to you sharing a resource with them, a message with them. Bring them to church. Do something to them that at least does not leave them without having an opportunity to answer the question, what do I do with Jesus? So when you practice and demonstrate the love that Christ has for us, what it will look like for people that don't know Jesus is that you are standing with them. What it will also look like is that you will share with them. You will not just stand with them. You will not just come to their level. You will share with them. Many of the time, you have to be specific in order to be uh, dynamic. That's what they say. But you have to be specific in order to achieve what you want to have. Don't just beat around the book. Don't just say God loves them. Pose the question, will you like to receive Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior? Will you like to know more about Jesus? Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. You leave the consequence to Jesus. You leave what happens after that question to Jesus. There are too many times we have overanalyzed many situations and all our opportunities and we shy away from allowing Jesus to show forth even unto others. So this morning I'm saying to you, church, that you need to share with them. Be very simple. And you don't have to know all the scriptures. Sometimes some people think, well, I need to know a lot of scriptures. Pastor E, I don't know a lot of scriptures, so I'm not confident. You don't need a lot of scripture. If you know John 3.16, that's enough. That's enough. John 3.16. For God, so, let's cross it. For God. I just marked the script now. When you, when you are leaving church, I'll give you your results. <laughs> because it's like some people were chopping mouth. <laughs> but even if you don't know it, you can bring your phone and read it. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to come and say, John 3.16 said, John 3.3.3, First uh, John 3.16. You, you are not impressing anybody. If you don't know, you don't know. Even some of us that preach this thing, you have, you have, sometimes I, I will quote a scripture wrongly. And I will not say I will not preach again. Next week I will come again. I will come and preach. <laughs> There's nobody that is perfect. God is not looking for your perfection. He's looking for your availability. You give him your mouth. And see what he's going to do with that mouth. Share with them. Simple. Don't make it complicated. And more importantly, I said it last week. And I'm saying it today. And I think we're going to have opportunities to do this today. Is supplicate and intercede for them. Supplicate and intercede for them. Ladies and gentlemen, your requests are not big until you start asking for people. Your request. There are many Christians who have not really been asking God big things or big matters, small matters. God, I need money. I need job. I need this. There's nothing wrong with all of that, though. But bigger level of prayer is not to ask for things. It's to ask for people. God, give me people. Psalm 2 verse 8 for the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for your inheritance. He said, I will give it to you. Ask for nations. Lord, give me Chicago. I am in UIC. Before I leave this city, give me this. Before I leave this school, give me this school. Give me this class. Give me this office. Give. You see, let me tell you this. There are ways you can get things from God without asking God. There are ways. One of the ways is asking for people. If you ask God for people, God will give you things. Because at the hierarchy of God, people are higher than things. 
And anybody that prioritizes people over things will not lack things. Go and write that down. Some of us, that's the story of our life. We, we have understood that we can prioritize God and his people over things. And there are many things that people are dying for. We will not lack it. We will not. And there's nothing wrong in having things. There is nothing wrong in all good and perfect gifts coming from where? From above. So there's nothing wrong in that. But there's everything wrong if that's all you have. If I ask you a question, how many people have you asked God that he has given you? Who are you working on as a prayer project and say, God, give me that person. God, give me that person. There are people that worked on one soul, one person for 60 years. They kept asking. They kept asking. They kept asking. They kept asking. And at the 60th year, this person gave way and came to Jesus. Don't you know that the, the joy that kind of person will have will be greater than the joy that you have from getting things? I will be glad if somebody goes to heaven because of me. Even if some days my bank account is red. Even if some days I don't, I, I, I'm sick in my body. Even though there's provision for that in the redemption. And I, I will, adv, uh, you know, access that provision. But in spite of that, I will be glad. If one person, if one person can come to Jesus because of me. Have you ever wondered? That the person that brought some people to Christ, how will that person be in heaven? I have wondered. How would the person that brought Billy Graham to Christ, how would they receive him in heaven? Because that guy did not bring one person, he brought nations. How would they receive even people, someone like Ananias that prayed for Paul, Saul of Tarsus, and see what Saul did. The person that didn't see Jesus in the flesh did more than the people that saw Jesus in the flesh. Combined, one person. How will someone that brought Pastor Deboe feel? How will? When Pastor Deboe say, we're going to now call for people to give their life to Christ, I'll count one to five. One, two. And you would think that they drug them. It's not, it's, sometimes some of you, you think, ah, it's the same people that are coming. It's not the same people. I, several years ago, that's how he called that number. I was standing where I was. In fact, that day I came to church to show off. You know, some of you, that's <laughs> you come to church. I came to church. And I, it is, they will take today. They will take. That's how I came to church. You know that? That's how I came to church. It was my birthday. Well, around my birthday. So, I came. I was going to show them. And then he preached very unassuming. Very it's not as loud as my own. Very short. Very unassuming. And then I began to count. I don't know what took me from back to front. And I was crying. And I was crying. Can you imagine the man that brought that guy, that Baba, to, to God? I want to be that kind of person. I don't know about you. I want to be that kind of person. But God commended his love towards us. In that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every love that is not commended is not complete. The completion of love is not saying it, it's commending it, it's demonstrating it. Will you bow down your heads to Jesus this morning and speak to him? I said the biggest part of that commendation is when you know how, when you know how to begin to intercede for people. To begin to intercede for people. And this morning, you can stand up to your feet. 
you should, there should be somebody you want to pray for. The other day I told us to write five names of people we want to see come to Jesus in this year, 2024. If you have not written that list, I think you should write the list. And you can make it more than five. I want you to go ahead and decree concerning those people and say, I call this person, I call them to Jesus. They will answer the question, what will I do with Jesus that is called Christ? And when they answer that question, it will be that they will receive him into their life so that they will have the forgiveness of sin so that they will have peace with God so that they will have power over sin in the name of Jesus go ahead call those people into God call those people into God in the name of Jesus father we give you praise blessed be your name thank you father